Hey, what's going on, boys? Not too much, man. How you holding up? Oh, man. This is fucking insane. <laughs> this is fucking insane. Where, where are you, Jimmy? We are on Densmore in a garage. <laughs> We're having a couple vodkas. Yeah. That's good. Are you guys six feet away from each other? Yep. Just about. You guys are probably six feet away from each other no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like a Buffalo rule. <laughs> You know, while we're on, I'm going to go get a little shot of vodka myself. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jim Jim will Um, give you a nice intro. Are you ready to go? You got your vodka? I I got my vodka. I'm ready to go. All right. All right, Mark, you up on the hotline here? An old friend from New York City. You've seen him in Seinfeld, The Sopranos, and he is now the star of Stories from the Second Floor, created by you, Mark. Here's Louis Mastillo. Yeah. How are you? Man, a, a hundred episodes of Mike and Molly. And uh, and now he's the star of our movie. Yeah. <laughs> the best, the best of them all was your movie. I gotta tell you right now, it's fantastic. What'd you think, Lou? You seen the whole thing? Tell us about what you thought. I loved it. I, you guys, it's it. First of all, the animation just cracks me because it's good animation because it's like that. Everybody looks a little nuts, <laughs> but yet they kind of look like the person. Oh yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. A little Which bit. Which is perfect. It's perfect. Patty Lanergan. <laughs> the Patty Lanergan. <laughs> That's the best. That's the best. And Doc with the hat on, you know, with the with the cowboy hat, you know, that look of his that he used to go out, you know, in public wearing the cowboy hat, you know, Burt Reynolds. And you Burt played. You played uh, the dog pound guy. You played uh, your Pino. I was all over it. I was you played all over the catcher. <laughs> It just shows you. It just shows you my versatility. <laughs> oh, that's great. But I like that I had the same outfit in every single scene, no matter who I played. Oh no, I think the one guy I just was wearing, the one guy at City Hall, I just, I think I had a suit on. Yeah, you had a tux, little. Uh, it was a bow tie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those the kid. <laughs> and then the guy runs out of the bathroom with the toilet paper <laughs> coming out of his. <laughs> But no, you guys did a good job. I really enjoyed it. So, how are you guys hanging in there with all this crazy shit going on? I mean, I, it's the weirdest thing I hear because uh, the streets are super empty, especially like when the sun starts to go down. It's like the twilight zone, man. It's bizarre. Yeah, fucking bizarre. It's it's uh, it's crazier with like kids because you know they don't ask for this, and then they're like, "Why can't I go see anybody?" And you know, you don't want to like scare them. You know, yeah, you can't freak them out. Yeah, and they're uh, they're coming up to you, being like, "What's the corona?" You know, and you're like, yeah. "Don't worry about it. We're just gonna go and play in the park." I don't know. <laughs> my right. la- yeah, I, yeah. Oh, my boy. last shift, Lou, was two Saturdays ago, and, uh-huh. it, and and it was a very eerie feeling. It was like we knew this was it. We we're gonna lock down after us. And what happens? This asshole walks in. With a, it was the day of the ward parade, but they canceled it. Walks in with a huge Corona blow-up bottle, and now he's going to be funny. And I'm working at a nice restaurant. I said, "Grab your ass! This is a restaurant. Get the fuck out of here!" Yeah. And then everybody kind of looked at me like, "Oh, maybe this is serious." Oh yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Somebody's not just going, "Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, right." I mean, because honestly, it, your first. 
really, your first response to it is going to be, I mean, can it be really be this bad? I mean, I don't know. Come on. And then all of a sudden, uh, you're starting to hear about uh, uh, people your age, you know, on ventilators and shit. I'm like, holy shit. And then I started thinking about, I was doing this class pass thing all through February, all through January, February, where you, it's like 70 bucks a month and it gives you, I don't know how many points and you could go to any class that is scheduled for that day that they have. So like you look down the list, so you don't go to the same place every day to work out. Right. So you go down the list and like one day, Oh, there's a cycling class. So you go to the cycling class. Then the next day there's like a, like a weightlifting thing or some, you know, oh, I'll try that. You know, then I went up to the Bronx and this other thing. So if I, if I caught this thing, it's, I, I got it from one of those gyms without question. Um, but it's, that was 14 days ago and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Now they're saying, I guess if you take a blood test and the antibodies are in you, that means you did have it. You had no symptoms and now you're okay. Like you could, you don't, you won't get it. Wow. We're so hearing a lot of that around here. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's basically, I haven't, uh, you know, knock on wood, I haven't felt any, uh, but it's fucking frightening here. Cause every day there's like another, a bunch of cases and they got i took a long walk the other day i was walked by uh uh bellevue and shit they got um big huge tents out in front it's like fucking war of the worlds man it's bizarre what neighborhood do you live in there i'm up in harlem east harlem like uh 120 and madison and uh during the day there's people out shopping and shit you know getting stuff but uh most of the avenues are pretty dead. Um, they kids were still playing basketball, so they came by here, and they took down every rim in the entire city. Wow. Yeah, they did that at Cass Park. They they did it all over the city just recently too. My question is, how are they going to get them back on? <laughs> <laughs> You're right, You're, though. How the fuck are they going to get those back on? You know, everybody lost the the lugs and the screws and shit. <laughs> You're going to see yeah. guys out there standing there just looking at the backboard. <laughs> the fuck? You got the screws? Yeah. Ah, I don't have them. Every city guy has one on you, their... Hey, Jimmy, you got the screws? <laughs> I don't have them. Who's got the fucking screws? I don't know. Everybody uh, just uh, tends well, to into their garage. You know that. <laughs> no. No more basketball leagues in the history of fucking. <laughs> yeah. See, I have a buddy. I have a buddy in Brooklyn, and he's saying that, like, you know, you could tell people who had money, they're like, "Whoop, we're gone." <laughs> like, oh yeah, everybody that had like a sec, everybody that has a second house or anything, gone. Oh yeah, I mean, anybody who has like, a, I just did a play in LA. Um, uh, we did an adaptation of. Uh, the movie Key Largo uh, with Edward G. Robinson and Bogart, and which is a film noir movie. And it's, I had no idea it started out as a play. This is a long roundabout to this, what I was about to say, but it, um, this guy in the play, and I'll get back to the play because the play was great. We had a good time. Is Tony Plano, wonderful actor. Tony Plano was in uh, Ugly Betty. If you saw him, I mean, you know, the guy's oh, yeah. been in like a hundred movies. He's been he's been around from day one. You know, Scarface, uh, Officer and a Gentleman, everything. Anyways, yeah, he uh, wonderful guy. He lives up in uh, Hamilton Heights, 
And when he was doing Ugly Betty, he bought a house up up the Hudson. And, uh, yeah, he got out the minute, bang, gone. You know, fucking everybody. I'm sitting in my apartment, man. I mean, thank God I have a little balcony because <laughs> I sit out there on the nice days. And I've been taking walks in, in the parks. Uh, like, they took about a 10-miler the other day because I was so wrapped up. But anyways, um, yeah, so, yeah, your friend's right. Anybody who's got a second home is gone. Yeah, he said he's got about three neighbors now. <clears throat> oh, yeah, because, you know, Brooklyn now, you know, Brooklyn's become the most expensive high-end. Uh, it's funny because Greenpoint, Brooklyn, you know, everybody used to say, like, you live in Greenpoint? Oh, fuck, you know? And Greenpoint, Brooklyn now is like, uh, you, know, you can't touch anything there for, like, uh, under $3 million or something. Holy uh, shit. Years ago... You know, in Williamsburg and back 30 years ago, you could buy those places for like under $100,000, some of those. Now, forget about it. And you know what's funny about the, if you ever visit, I'll bring you guys out. Williamsburg has got a lot of old blue collar, uh, Ukrainian, Polish, same with Greenpoint. So you're going down these streets and you see these, you know, two, two, three story buildings with apartments on each floor. And usually the ground floor has got the bigger apartment in the backyard and the whole thing. And they're like two, three store, uh, family homes, you know, and they got that siding on it. Like you see in the ward. Yeah. You know, that old gravel siding. <laughs> oh, I love it. And so then you get about four of these buildings, which those buildings now are probably worth millions of dollars. Then, There'll be across the street. It'll be like where there was an open field or something, some building that's got like floor to ceiling windows, you know, unbelievable, big, huge balconies and everything. So whenever anybody's visiting from uh, South Buffalo or the neighborhood, I walk down the street and I'll point to the house that looks like the ward. And I'll say like some guy that we used to know from the ward, I'll say like point to the house. I'll say duck Kuwik. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll point to the big, huge glass thing, Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> how do you? It think, cracks me up. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, how, how do you think the Blasio's doing over there? Uh, he's doing a good job. I'm not a big fan of his, but he's doing a good job. And I mean, and I'm a Democrat. You know, uh, the guy's sort of arrogant. You know, and uh, he gave a lot of good. You know. Gave a lot of good deals to like him and Bloomberg. They gave great deals to all these developers who are just ripping the shit out of the, the city. And this is what really pisses me off. And I'm telling you, it gets under my skin to no fucking end. Is they're both from Boston. Right. They're both from fucking Boston. Now, nothing against Boston except that it's Boston. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and. They're fucking, they're both Red Sox fans. I'm not shitting you. They're both the mayors in New York in the last fucking 14 years or six. They're Boston Red Sox fans. If that was vice versa, the guy would be assassinated the first fucking week. You're right. The first week. I mean, it's unbelievable. And at, first of all, I really, right now, what it brings me back to is I really don't feel that these guys have. A stake in New York City. I really don't. I, they're not. They're not New Yorkers. I think it should be guided. It should be somebody that's from New York State or New York City that's mayor in New York. It should be a law I, because 
you you have a connection to the city, unlike just the fact that you just ended up here for political reasons or you ended up here because you're a big Wall Street gazillionaire. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't I don't really think these both these guys have a love for New York City. I really don't. So anyways, and de Blasio's real name is not even his real name. His real name is uh, Warren Werner. Really? I'm not shitting you. Look it up. Really? He's actually German. <laughs> he is. He, oh he, the, he, the, way, the reason he's named Bill de Blasio is because I guess he had a, his father was an asshole or something. I don't know what happened, but he didn't like his father. and He left, and he, he stayed with some cousins, distance cousins. Their name was de Blasio. So he's about an ounce Italian. He stayed with these de Blasios. He's changed his name to Bill de Blasio. I'm not shitting you. The wow. guy, the guy doesn't has about a, a drop of Italian blood, which pisses me off. Also, so you think New York? <laughs> you think New York's just getting a little soft with these guys? Like Boston's still little tough guys, and New York's well, just no, softening I, I up. Think I, well, you know, Boston. If like I, you know, if you're not anywhere from, if you're not from the Boston area, they they hate you no matter where you're from. Oh, you absolutely. know, especially, especially New York, you know, I'm sure guys that, you know, Massachusetts guys are fine there, but I mean, I don't know. I, have you guys ever been to Boston? I don't find it the most uh, friendly town in the world. I had a Yankee hat on trying to get a cab oh. and I couldn't figure out like I was getting out of a, a concert in Somerville and I'm trying to get a cab. I'm like, why can't we get a cab? And some guy over her us, he goes, look at your hat, asshole. I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Took the head I mean, off, got a cab. I mean, you know, come on, in New York City, what? They, I mean, it's not that we're like we're softer, you know. I mean, but they're gonna go like, hey, I, I don't care. The guy's got a hat on; he needs a ride. That's you know, it's like I see Red Sox hats all over the place in New York City because people, a lot of people from Boston, move here for the financial to work down in Wall Street or wherever. Right. And then, you know, or to be musicians or actors or whatever they want to be. And then, you know, but you can't wear a Yankees hat through Boston. You get shit all day, you know. But anyways, what I'm saying is, no, I don't think it's the song. I just think that these guys, um, they don't have that a nostalgia for the, for the city. So if somebody says, hey, we'd like to rip down all these old buildings on 11th Street to make a glass tower. They're like, well, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. And uh, yeah, so um, and de Blasio is connected to some guys out there in Brooklyn that were doing some real estate shit and paying people off. And it's never really came to fruition, the whole investigation. But everybody kind of knows that, like, you know, he's denying a lot of that shit. The other thing, too, is it's like, uh, you know, they always say there's going to be a certain amount of housing for either low to mid income people because of a housing shortage. And then these things get built and no, there's no follow through. There's nobody going, Hey, wait a second. You guys have enough apartments. Nobody gives a shit once it's built. Yeah. You know, so how's it, uh, how, how is it affecting production? Were you in the middle of anything? Oh, it's done. There's nothing going on. I was, I was going to start, uh, I was one of my dreams come true. I was doing, I was about to start rehearsal for a play, uh, down at the Lucille Lortel, theater which i've wanted to work at my entire life down uh uh, down on christopher street in the village famous the most famous theater down in greenwich village and we're going to do this play called the alchemist which was written in 1600s (laughs) what's that 
It, oh, it was a it was a play. It wasn't like yeah, the novel. Yeah, play. A lot of people know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. There's there's a couple of versions. The Alchemist. There's the there's the the mystery novel, and then there's the the, the one that you just brought up. Who, who's the guy? Paulo Cello. That's it. Yeah. No, this is a play by um, a guy named Ben Johnson who was around. I mean, during Shakespeare's time. Ben, Benjamin Johnson, and and it's basically a comedy of errors about con men and you know the bullshit of the crown and the government and and they did an adaptation of it and you know not a modern day but kind of but it's still a farcical play but we i was supposed to start rehearsal this week wow who are you playing in? i was playing this character surly who is this guy who is on to the con men so it's it plays nuts, you know. I mean, then I come back disguised as a Spanish knight, and I'm speaking Spanish, and I don't really know what the fuck I'm saying. I'm saying like, you know, "Señores, besos las manos." You know, <laughs> it sounds great. <laughs> yeah, which which means kiss the hands. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know. So it was crazy, and then so these guys say back like, uh, "Does he want dinero?" Like they don't know, they don't speak. So What's the city you're talking about? Does he want? And I say, Dinero, see, you know, like this type of crazy shit. You know? <laughs> and then later on, he says to the broad that he's not. No, I shouldn't say broad. Sorry. That's um, all right. <laughs> he says to the woman uh, that she basically he's not a Spanish knight. You know, <laughs> it's incredible. So it was great. I was I was so looking forward to it, and I had all this time to work on it and work on it and work on it. So I was ready to go, and then we just got the email. No go. Wow. So, and, and, and like, so now more than ever, New York will eat you alive if you're a musician or an actor. Or... Oh, my God. I think, yeah, you know, everybody, the restaurant people. Oh, my God. Like, you know, like waiters, you know, these steakhouse waiters, they make a ton of money, you know, and all of a sudden they just have it stop. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that a lot of these guys, all the stuff that they're spending on school for their kids and everything else. I mean, I, hopefully they have some sort of backup, but uh, whew, it's rough. I mean, I don't know how long this, this thing can go, man, before there's some sort of anarchy. Like, in other words, if you ain't got it together, man, I mean, what? imagine if you had a small restaurant or bar or a small theater. Or, I mean, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Like I, I sent you the other day that they caught some people uh, serving and it's like, all right, I get it. You're 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 struggling but you gotta be smart too at the same time you well know? it lou it was the swanee house <laughs> yeah i know i heard i heard i you know I, I, jimmy sent me the thing i looked at um did they because you know what they did here i mean there was a few uh there was a few bars out in queens you know probably out in queens you know where whoever i don't know you know probably in neighborhoods where it's you know out in the outskirts maybe rockaway or somewhere and they were getting, they were bringing people in through the back doors and stuff. And the cops busted up a couple of them, and uh, they got their liquor license taken away, man, for a year. Yeah, that's probably going to happen. Yeah, you know that's a big, big deal, man. I mean, just to serve people some drinks, oh, you got to be out of your mind. Oh, you got to be out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what to put three hundred bucks in the register or something, or two hundred bucks in the register? And you could take, you could get takeout and buy booze with food here, at least yeah. here. I don't know how. Same here. Yeah, same there. Okay, same good. here. 
Like, well, they got these. They got some of these places. They love outdoor. You know, there's this joint on. I after one of my long walks, there's this joint that's got picnic tables in front of the place, wooden picnic tables that are locked down. You know, and uh, you can get a drink and sit out at the picnic table. You know, but uh, I mean, a lot of people ain't doing that. You know, it's just fuck. I mean, people are just like, fuck it. I'll just get a bottle of wine and go home. What's the difference? Yeah. I like I say, thank God for this little balcony. If the weather, when the weather really breaks, I'll I'll take a bottle of wine over to the right across the street is Marcus Garvey Park. I'll you know I'll go across the street. Me and Trish will just sit on a bench and have some wine, and I don't think the cops will be fucking people for for that. No, no. not at all. Yeah. So, um, but other than that, uh, that's it, man. I mean, you know, just I hope that uh, it all comes back to normal because. If it doesn't, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what the hell they, they're, everybody's all over the place, you know? I mean, I, uh, you know, Trump thought this was a joke for the first couple of months, you know? Now, if you're in the industry and you've like made a pilot or if you've made like a multiple of some shows, do you think networks are just going to buy up this old stuff that maybe wasn't going to fly? I don't know. You know, that's the big question. Are, you know, some of the stuff that didn't even start start shooting, are they just going to push all the pilot orders to uh, another time to shoot? Are they going to sit down and say, hey, we weren't really that enthusiastic about this from the first place. Let this one go. Let's do this one. Let that one go. I don't know. Or, or they just, all the ones they ordered, they're going to do sometime. Or, you know, they might make a decision to scrap them all. I, you know, that would be a real shame. I mean, I know like my friend, Rondi Reed, Steppenwolf actress who's on Mike and Molly, you know, she's got one of these careers, you know, like 70 plays, like she's done more plays in a lifetime than most people in four lifetimes, you know, but her good friend is Laurie Metcalf and Laurie Metcalf was here doing, um, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, Edward Elby play. That's a hard, hard play. Because they're drunk out of their minds and they're screaming and it's physical and it's a tough fucking play. And they rehearsed and worked their asses off on this thing. Did six performances, finished. None of them can come back to do it. If it reopens, they, they all got other commitments. That's it. They're done. So the only saving grace with this play, at least it got canceled before we even started. Because could you imagine if we were rehearsing all this time oh, yeah. and all of a sudden... You know, you're working your ass off for a month and somebody just comes to you and says, I know you guys are supposed to open in three days, but you're done. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a lot of work for nothing. Yeah. For nothing, man. And, you know, and then they actually have it go all the process, go all the way through and be able to perform it for six times. And then somebody say to you that that's it. It's done. That's hard. That's really hard, man. Yeah, so, all, these, anyways. all these bailouts and everything like that. Like, do you have, like, your own business set up that, like, you know, you could ever take out an interest loan or anything? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, also SAG's giving out loans. The unions are giving out loans. Yeah, everybody's trying their hardest. And, I mean, listen, man, I, you know, I'm talking about boo-hoo, you know. I, you know, I can't do my play. I mean, there's people just fucking starving to death. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's people look at all, I mean, look at all the, uh, the, the whole immigration thing, like people that are, have been working their ass off to get the fuck out of places like, uh, you know, Honduras and all these fuck where they're just getting shot at every day and they finally do it legally and they're about to get into the country 
and now they're just sitting in some place indefinitely. Could you imagine that fucking All thing? Right, yeah. And I mean, it, they Jose Andreas was just on Jimmy Fallon, and he was saying he's like, the immigrants are going to feed you now. They're out in the fields. They're still doing the farming. They're like, those are the people that are doing the work that are going to feed you during these times, even. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, I was watching the thing about the, you know, in, in like, uh, in. Um, in sections of, uh, I forget what the fuck, but they got on a train, they were on the top of a train in this family. And what it was, was this, the, uh, the gangs basically, uh, this one guy talked to a a reporter or something, you know, he was all hidden and everything. They shot him because they thought he was talking about, you know, what was going on is some of the drug deals or something. And so now they threaten his wife to the point of where she had to like pack up her shit and get out of there. Wow. Like just leave her house behind, you know, just grab shit and go. I mean, holy shit. You know, so anyways, me not doing a play, I mean, I'll live, you know. Yeah, right. What What yeah. are some of the projects you've finished? I've seen that you were in that Mother's Day movie. I think I can't find it. Oh, anymore. crappy Mother's Day. Yeah. Oh, my friend Bill Rakuski did this movie on a shoestring and it's, it's so out of, it's nuts. I mean, looks, it's this, uh, it, it was done like really quick, but it's a funny, crazy, insane script that I thought it actually, it's got a few chuckles in it. And, um, the director, Dan, he, he's a guy that was, uh, were, you know, doing uh, law and order for years, camera department, so he shot it and directed it. So he had the camera, then he put the camera down, and he'd say, Lou, move over here, give it a little more emotion on this line. And then he picked the camera back up. It was great. <laughs> it was great. And Bill's a funny guy I've known for many years. So uh, I, if I get a copy of it, I'll send it to you guys. Yeah. Are there movies that are on Netflix that like you have buddies in that you could urge people to watch now that everybody's home? I mean, we're all running on Netflix and Hulu. I know, things. I know, I, you know, there's like, I just, everything I watch, um, that I've been watching lately, I don't really know any of the actors in it. I mean, I tell people Billy, Billy Gardell show is, is, is a funny show. I mean, it's, it's, it's like not a punchline comedy, but that's I good. think that, yeah. that's a good show. Um, I'm thinking if you guys can take a look at a movie I did called wetlands. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was an interesting. The thing is, it was a first-time director, and um, he was a great guy, and he wrote a great script. But when you've never done it before, man, uh, it's, it's hard to be able to know how to tell a story. It's you know, and put it into order where it all gels in terms of when you have to edit it together. So I think there was a few problems there, but. Not a bad outing for a first time. Um, it just uh, there's there's some holes here and there, but overall, he did a good job. He, he did a good job. The, you know, the only thing is uh, there were some scenes that um, I don't think they had the uh, stunt wise and stuff. It was not done in a way that uh, a seasoned director. Yeah, a seasoned director would have you know, picked up on, I mean, there's, I don't want to, there was a story, it was a, a day where we shot a scene that we probably shouldn't have shot because they were, there was problems with the, uh, 
they had they had let the stunt guy go. And you, you can't let the stunt guy go if you don't have somebody right there to replace him. I mean, you, you know, you can't get into an argument with a stunt guy and say, you know, you're fired. Unless there's yeah. another fucking stunt guy. Did, you know, I mean, so anyways, but that we got yeah. all these things going on now. Uh, these these live uh, from home. Have you ever thought about putting on your play live from your apartment? No, your one manner. <laughs> no, I would never. I don't. I can't. I'm trying my hardest. I'll tell you guys honestly. I am trying my hardest to do this Twitter, Instagram, Facebook thing. Very I hard. I can't. I can't take the. I, I can't take the plunge on getting back on that Facebook because all it was for me was hearing from people that I thought I'd never see or hear from again. <laughs> Okay, and not in a bad way, but just like, okay, there's a reason why, you know, I don't really keep it touched. <laughs> you know? So I was like, I what the fuck is this? You know, people wishing you a happy birthday, and you're like, holy fuck, that guy. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, and what are you doing, Lou? And people, and then I see these people just posting all this shit about their, their regular life, and then some of it is so, uh, in my opinion, narcissistic to shit like what you had for breakfast and oh let me film my brunch that i had i had brunch with some friends let me film it so oh brunch with my friends who gives a fuck (laughs) (laughs) and you know brunch with your friend you know and then and all these different now it's just twitter it's all these different opinions and i tried it it's so funny we're bringing this up because the other day i had this uh, and I'll I'll send it to you guys because I, I I sent it to friends, and it was me sitting there one day, and Chris just started filming me because I was doing this lip sync to "Sympathy for the Devil," <laughs> and I I always do this thing where the where he goes woohoo you know and all that shit, mm-hmm. and I. I, I, it's my favorite song of all time, so I, I lip sync it perfectly. So she filmed it, and I sent it to a few friends of mine, and everybody was going nuts. That's fucking great. And the other day, I had it up there on Instagram or Twitter, one of them, and I thought, and I thought, no, this is for my friends, man. This yeah. is for my close friends. Why am I going to show the whole world? I don't want to fucking, you know, do I think I'm that amazing? Oh, here's me doing Sympathy for the Devil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, look at how good I lip sync the Sympathy for the Devil. No, it's for my friends. So my friends go, that was good. I like that, Lou. You know, yeah. I don't have to have some fucking stranger give me a thumbs up on it. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, we see, we had uh, Dave McKinley, who's like our investigative reporter. And he mentioned something that like, I was like, yeah, this, that's, that's a perfect analogy for how this is. He's like, he's like, you know, old people used to say, don't bring your religion and your politics to the dinner table. You know, don't talk about it at a bar. And he's like, and all of a sudden Facebook just became this place where you like spewed it all out. And then and then you 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 can almost hate somebody without ever talking to them because you just see all this shit they're spewing. Yeah. And then the other thing is, like, it's it's that, you know, um, me at home and this is me at home. And, oh, I'm watering. Look how well my plants doing. And, oh, you know, I mean. I, I felt guilty about taking, I you know, because somebody said, listen, man, you got to keep in touch with, like, 
the public during this thing. You know, you're, you know, it's good for your career. It's good for your, all right, all right. Now they're looking at numbers and all this shit on Facebook and all. I said, well, if that's what's got to keep my career going, then I swear to God, I'll go. I'll be a day bartender somewhere. Fuck it. I mean, honestly. <laughs> but, you know, I, I want my talent and my hard work to get me out. You know, whether I got followers on it, but hey, man, you got to do it. It's the way it is now. It's, all right. So the other day, I took a picture of some flowers that look beautiful in Riverside Park on one of my uh, walks. And I, and I, I said, uh, the flowers in Riverside Park have no idea what's going on. Isn't that great? Yeah. And I put it on there, right? And and everybody, it is great. It is great. <laughs> the flowers don't know. That's right. They just bloom. I'm like, oh, God, I just, why did I even fuck? You know? It's all metaphorical now. <laughs> yeah. And so, so now, you know, it's like, so the other day I saw this video of some, you know, and I, I was like, nah, I'll put up that Stones thing. It'll crack. And, and I was about to hit the thing, and I said, no, I'm just not. I, I just, I can't. And the other thing is when the other is like when somebody, when somebody dies. I don't know. I used to remember when somebody passed away. You know, you wrote a note to whoever, or if there was something that you could send to, you know, flowers or a donation somewhere. Now somebody, somebody dies and people just come out of the woodwork on that, on that uh, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you know, like Lou Reed dies and you have like, you know, Taylor Swift telling everybody how much she's going to miss <laughs> Lou Reed. You know, yeah, it's like all these actors and all these personalities. And I swear to God, I start to think about it. Are they really going to miss Lou Reed or do they want people to say he wrote something about Lou Reed? You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I just don't get it. And when I was on, I finally got off when, you know, I got this uh, happy birthday wish from this lunatic <laughs> who, you know, I used to know from Hell's Kitchen, who's probably, you know, holed up somewhere making explosives, you know, and I was just like, what the fuck? What, you know, what am I doing? Why, you know, gotta get away I, from these people. Just let me hear from my friends when it's my birthday. I, you know, right? Yeah. And I mean, like... so, anyways, but that's that. Uh, you know, if uh, if my career ends because of that, then you guys know why. <laughs> you were great in SVU last season's SVU, and you've been on there a bunch of times. I, I people could check that out too. I, I like that episode when you were the lawyer. Who... Yeah. Well, you know who was in this play. Who was in this play that I did in uh, L.A. Uh, is uh, was Danny Pino from uh, <clears throat> Danny Pino from SVU. Oh yeah, yeah. Was yeah he played the he played the. Uh, if you guys watch that movie again, I hadn't seen it in a long time. What that's that movie where uh, it's Key Largo, Florida, and Edward G. Robinson's the gangster with his crew, and they're waiting on this drug deal, and this hurricane hits. So they, they take people in this hotel hostage. And uh, Humphrey Bogart's there because he was friends with the guy's son during the war. Well, what it started out as a play. It was the Spanish-American War. And then John Houston got a hold of the script because the script was super political. And he thought, if I take some of the politics out of this, this could be a you know good film noir movie, you know, kind of a thriller. So... 
the movie, they took some stuff from the movie and they took some stuff from the play. And this guy named Jeffrey Hatcher, a great writer, he, he adapted this play version of Key Largo. And Andy Garcia played the Edward G. Robinson role, the Johnny Rocco role. And I played his right hand man, the Curly, the gangsters, you know. So mm-hmm. it was great. We had a good time. But Danny Pino was in it from SVU. Great and the nicest guy in the world. And Garcia is your buddy. You said that he he checked out the movie. How's yeah, he? He's a, he's he's a great a guy, man. huh? Oh, he's a sweet guy. Good, good guy. Like a down to earth family guy. Funny. He's a funny fucker, Randy. I tell you, man. He some of his stories. He told me some funny stories, man. He he just uh, he told me a story about um, he was running lines for things to do in Denver when when you're dead. Mm-hmm. He was running lines with Christopher Walken, and Christopher Walken started doing his lines in a, a German accent. <laughs> and Andy said, "Chris, are you gonna are you gonna play this guy German?" And Chris Walken said, "No, Andy, uh, I just like to run my lines as a German sometimes." <laughs> <laughs> He's a wacky dude. Oh, I love it. And he's so he's one of my favorite actors of all time. I just sometimes like to run my lines <laughs> as a German. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I do a really bad imitation. Oh, but true. could you imagine? I mean, oh my god. What is does Garcia get a lot of flack for three? For Godfather Three? No, he got an Oscar nomination. Right. That's what I say. That's what I say. Like people are all oh, three three sucks. I'm like, well, he was Nominated for an Oscar, and I thought he was a great, a great. Oh, he was role. amazing in it. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it was. How do you how do you follow one and two? Come on, it's just impossible. It's impossible. And and it was, and it was. You know, the 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 script wasn't up to snuff in terms of the other two, of course. But I mean, you'd have to be God to write that script. I mean, you who could do it? And. um yeah, it's sort of also at the time, you know, we see him and Keaton together, which was so great, the way it ended in Godfather 2, where he just closes the door on her. You know what I mean? Right. Like, we didn't have to see them together again. and so. But Andy's great in it. Joe Montaigne is great in it, too. Oh, he's awesome. I, I always wanted to see what, what happened in 4. If they ever did four, like him being the Don, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, or like they, you know, or him do him being like, uh, like the kid, Sonny's kid being like just like a fucking drug lord or something, you know what I mean? Or yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. I'm looking forward to this Sopranos movie. Yeah, th- th- does anyone play you in it, or what, did you find out if Sal no, Vitro? no, I don't know. I don't think they're gonna have a young Sal Vitro, you know, like. I don't think they're going to have a young Salvitro. That would crack me up if they did, you know. Some younger version of me on a, you know, with a lawnmower or something. If you were doing those, those, uh, those 10 uh, mile walks, you probably could have got the, got the gig, you know, a couple of years ago. Oh, what a nice, are you kidding me? What a nice, uh, 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 you know, because I'm, I'm losing some, you know, I lost not a lot of weight, but a little weight with, you know, a nice toupee. I think I'm in. Yeah, right. Do some hair acting. Yeah, yeah, Sal, well, Sal, Sal the 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 put upon uh, the put upon gardener. Holy shit! 
Now, you were a DJ in at the Pierce Arrow, and we asked you uh, a couple days ago, do you got it? We always, we've been, I've been talking to Dickie Ryan. Dickie Ryan wants to get on the podcast, and he oh, always yeah. says, do you have He's a, great. You got to ask Lou about the ball, any Buffalo Bills stories. You got any stories for us about the oh, Buffalo yeah. Bills? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that was, I mean, there was, you know, I mean, uh, these were the nice guys. The nice guys were Joe Ferguson. Uh... Tony Green, Bobby Chandler, and Paul Seymour were the really nice guys. Um, the assholes were uh, Smurless <laughs> and Hazlitt. I heard of Hazlitt, yeah. Were, uh, were real assholes, from what I remember. And I remember Hazlitt, a really, really specific one with Hazlitt. Is um, before I started to DJ, I was the bar back, right? Sorry. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, sorry. It started pouring rain. Oh, yeah, I could hear it. Holy shit. We're in the garage because, you know, we're social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, slow down. Holy cow. That was, yeah, it sounded like I was thinking to myself, yeah, either somebody's washing dishes. <laughs> 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 okay, so I don't know how we're getting the fuck out of this garage. I just closed the door. <laughs> well, you guys, you guys got a quarantine now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, but nobody was. Oh yeah, before I started uh, spinning records, there I was the, the bar back for years. Not years, a couple years. David, me and David Quinn were the bar backs. But when I was when they first opened, I was the only bar back. And this is when Monday night first started coming around. You know, I think it was like Monday night first uh, was around 76 or so, mid-70s. And it was huge, man. It was a huge thing, Monday night football. You know, to watch to watch football on a Monday night, gigantic. So they used to have these, because most of these players lived out in Orchard Park. Mm-hmm. So they had them coming to the Pierce Arrow on Monday nights if they weren't playing on Monday night or if they, you know, if they had a home game, then they'd come and they'd have steak dinners for free and all that shit. What are you guys getting washed away? What the fuck's going on over there? Yeah. Can you, we can hear you. Yeah. You're, you're coming through <laughs> crystal clear. <laughs> I just think like all of a sudden I hear you guys going, sorry, low. You know? <laughs> but, um, so I had my job, and it was really important, is uh, I had to bring out the free chicken wings at halftime. So the first time that we have the free chicken wings at halftime, I got to put the table up on the dance floor and have all the napkins and all that shit ready. All I mean, I did, it had to be pristine, right? So I was running back and forth. and So nobody, the rule was nobody could touch the wings before halftime. But they had to be out there like when right when halftime was about to, you know, the first half was about to clock out. The wings had to be out there. So we would time it out. So I come up there. I run up with the wings and shit. It looks beautiful. And I went to the bar to get more napkins. And that Jim Hazlitt just walks up, takes a plate of wings. And, or takes a plate and grabs a bunch of wings with his hands. <laughs> 
because I didn't have the utensils out because right. they said don't put the utensils out until halftime's done. So it's just the wings sitting there for about maybe 20, 30 seconds till we're waiting for halftime. He walks up, takes a plate, okay? Now I'm going to get the napkins because there's no fucking napkins. He just grabs a bunch of wings with his hands, puts them on the plate, and wipes his hand off on the brand new tablecloth that I brought out. Oh, my God. And I just looked at him when I brought the wings back, and I just went, are you fucking kidding me, man? <laughs> and I was about 18, right? 17, 18. I weighed about 140 pounds. And he goes, hey, what are they there for? And I wanted to say, they're there for everybody, you fucking asshole. You don't take them with your hands, you fucking animal. <laughs> so he walks back. He just starts eating the wings. Now I got to take the wings off the thing, run back, get a new tablecloth. Now the manager's going, what the fuck? Did you have all this shit out here? And everybody's waiting to get the wings. I said, nah, man. I said, Jim Aslan came out and just wiped his hands on the fucking tablecloth. I should <laughs> So I show him, I put the hand, I put it, the Mark Stone, the manager, I, he's still a friend of mine. I, I, I hold the, the, the tablecloth up and there's this handprint <laughs> with chicken wing sauce on it just going across the entire thing. I said, he goes, no shit. I said, yeah. Ah, oh, man. And so he goes, so he walks up. I guess he walked up or I, somebody said, hey, man, you know, like you got to show a little, you know, I mean, you can't be doing that, man, you know. Oh, sorry, man. I was hungry. I couldn't stand that guy. Uh, the other one, you know, who used to come in all the time was uh, in oh, uh, Simpson. And one time, and I, I don't even like talking about that fucking guy. But one time, I we were out of or, uh, grapefruit juice, and they're like, "Lou, we need grapefruit. Where's the grapefruit juice? Where's the grapefruit juice?" And we're it was busy, you know, like an Eddie Brady going, "I need, Louie, I need grapefruit juice," you know. So. <laughs> So anyways, I ran back and somebody, I said, there's no grapefruit juice down here at all. So the manager, other manager, Bruce Klein, he gives me the key to the office. He said, in the closet there, we stock some other stuff. There's a case of grapefruit juice in there. So I go running up the stairs to the office and I barge in and there's there's O.J. Simpson with his head in a, a pile of the booger sugar. <laughs> and he puts his head up and he says, uh... Hey, man, I said, sorry, juice. I got to get some juice. That's what I said. <laughs> you know, and then I think I said, in, you know, 20 years from now, you shouldn't kill your wife. <laughs> you very good. You. Very good advice. Dickie yeah. says Dickie says that he killed somebody when he left there one night. This is what Dickie was telling me. You want to yeah. go on and tell us about it? I said, "All right, Dickie. Well, let's. Well, you're gonna do some fact checking first. Yeah. One time. Yeah. Well, he probably did. The guy. He probably got away with a lot of shit. That fucking guy. You know what really annoyed the shit out of me is that Mike Militello did that reunion for all the Mulligans restaurants, and then they did an article in the Buffalo Evening News instead of mentioning his partners like Kevin Kell and all these guys that made him. Mike. Mike. You know, Mike Militello couldn't make a gin and tonic. Uh, you know, Mike Millet, uh, uh, Mike McNally, uh, Patty Ford, all these guys who basically, Jimmy Finley, all these guys who basically made mulligans. And it, oh, the only thing he talks about in the article is O.J. Simpson. I was like, are you out of your fucking mind, man? 
he put, they put a picture of O.J. Simpson at Mulligan's on Hurdle. Why would you even want to bring that asshole up? I'm sorry I brought him up in this fucking story. But... <laughs> and now it's sunny but... out again, Lou. We are. Oh, yeah. It is the end of the world. It is. <laughs> now it's yeah. Sunny. Well, good. It was. It was a. What, what do you call it? It was a Florida. It was a Florida storm. Yeah. yeah. You know. Through. I wonder if Hazlitt got some tips from, or Hazlitt gave some tips to Kelly because that sounds just like Jim Kelly was. I heard Jim Kelly was the nicest guy. I don't know. I was gone by then, but I heard he was. He could be a little uh, rough around the edges. I'm sure. I'm sure he's a lot humbler now because he's been through so much shit. The guy, but yeah, you get, yeah, who you, knows? You have to hear uh, Jim Crean here. Uh, his stand up. Maybe we'll send that over to you. He has oh, got a, right. He's got some good, good Jim Kelly jokes. <laughs> Yeah, well, good. I'd like to hear that. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, we'll the send guy, it over to you. Yeah, the guy. You know, the uh, there. I always tell people there's many reasons for the Bills losing the Super Bowl. Number one, there was a helicopter over the stadium when the when when it went wide right. If you watch the angle of that ball, man, there was a fucking helicopter above there because of all the terrorist threats and shit. I swear to God, the helicopter got a hold of that fucking ball. <laughs> fucking draft. Yeah. I think the thing of the helicopter going around, think about the way the helicopter goes around. It goes around, basically, it goes around clockwise. And that ball went whoop and off the, I think that helicopter was too low. Also, too, if you watch that, you watch that documentary, we would have scored a touchdown if Thurman Thomas had his helmet, but fucking Harry Connick Jr.'s tuba player put his, you know, couldn't put his fucking tuba down and move Thurman Thomas's helmet. Yeah, and then Fucking, and then yeah. he talks about. You have to see him watch the film. He's like, and who was I forget who was in there in his place. Bru- oh yeah, yeah. His, it was like Mark. Uh, I forget who. Kenneth it was. Davis. Kenneth Davis, and he watches yeah. the film, and he's like, "There's my hole." He's like, "I oh, got a touchdown." The hole was so big, I could have got a touchdown. <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 and. Harry Connick Jr.'s fucking tuba player moves Thurman. I mean, what? What are you fucking kidding me? How the fuck do you even think about doing that it, in the Super Bowl? We somebody should track that guy down. <laughs> I didn't know that. I met Harry Connick Jr. once, and I was very nice to him. I didn't know about his fucking tuba player. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of his fucking guys in the band that moved. It. I, they should track that guy down. He should. They should. He should be like that guy. From the Cubs, except Bills fans should chase them all over the fucking place and try to kill them. <laughs> you know, I mean, but, oh, the other, oh, the other one was uh, uh, Isaiah uh, Robertson, Butch Robertson, who I think I'm not. He may have passed away, Butch Robertson. He became a preacher. I, I never minded the guy. I always thought he was a pretty good guy. Like a lot of people didn't like him. I always thought he was a pretty good guy. He came from the Rams, but one night. Uh, he was uh, he was a little uh, banged up, I think, and uh, it was a snow a snowstorm, and he he pulled out and he he ran into a ditch like just about fucking uh, maybe two hundred yards from the Pierce Arrow. So he come walking back, and me and Orville Muti were the only two guys still there, and he knew Orville because he bartended. You know, I was in the sound booth. And uh, he said, Orville, man, he goes, I uh, my car's in a ditch. I said, can, can you give me a ride home? Orville says, sure. So Orville was giving me a ride home. So we got into Orville's car and we drove uh, Butch Robertson out to Orchard Park. And he he said, hey, thanks a lot. Hang on for a second. 
and he gets out of the car and he turns back again. He goes, hang on, don't, don't leave, don't leave. And we're like, okay, the fucking snow's coming down. We're waiting, we're waiting. All of a sudden the door opens. He brings his wife out in her nightgown to say thank you. <laughs> the, broad, the, the girl looks like she, she's looking like, what the fuck? Are you crazy? She's like going, well, are you nuts? She's got like, she's shivering. She's got like boots on. She comes out. She goes, thank you. And like looks at us like, all right, what the fuck? And then walks back into the fucking house. Well, I'm glad to hear one good story of these guys, you know. Yeah, yeah. But he's going like this. I'm thinking the guy, I said to whoever, he's probably going to bring us out some champagne or something, you know, because he's going, don't leave. Hang on. Don't leave. <laughs> he's going to go in and he's going to get us a few bottles. Oh, this will be nice. We'll go back to your place, have some champagne, smoke a joint. You know, this will be great. He, I thought the guy walks out with his wife in a, in a nightgown. Was she hot? Were you like, oh, she was Dean. beautiful. Oh, Dean. She was beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> to say thank you. She's got like her winter coat over the, the, the nightgown and boots on. Thank and then I had to think, she had to stand there in the hall and put the fucking coat on and the boots and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Not only were you, were you at uh, the Pierce Arrow, but you hung around the uh, ounce and a half. They, and oh, the ounce and a half, yeah. One time, one time in the ounce and a half, we were all, uh, it was kind of quiet at the bar. That, that, that place was fabulous. And it, that's the connection with the Odin store, because the guy who was bartending was the famous Jimmy Saladega, Sal Soul. Mm -hmm. So Sal Soul's bartending, you know, and he was one of, he's a funny bastard, man. So we're all at the bar, and everybody would hang at the bar in different age groups. So there would be like, one little area there would be me and my like Mike Fitzgibbons and Ray Nowak. And then down a few stools would be like Bobby Shanks and, uh, you know, that age group. And then down, down a little more would be like, maybe like some guys from, uh, you know, more towards, uh, Lackawanna or something, or like maybe they were a little older, but just, I, I, not specifically, I'm not sure, but everybody was sort of in their own group but all hanging out at the bar and there wasn't a lot going on and everybody was just talking real low. And uh, we were all me, Ray and Fitz. And I think we were all uh, tripping on mescaline. Right. <laughs> so Sal's is sort of there. Hey, what's up boys? Everybody. Okay. Yeah. Sal's give us another round here. You know, we're just kind of talking and, and then, and it's just quiet in there. Everybody's just sort of talking. And all of a sudden, just somebody hears the word mescaline. And I don't know if it was Ray Nowak said it or Sal Souls who said it. So Sal Souls comes over and goes, yeah, man, what about it? Or something like that. He goes, yeah, I'm tripping. <laughs> and then Fitz goes, yeah, I'm tripping too. And then I say, yeah, me too. And then like Bobby Shank says, yeah, me too. And then it goes down the bar and it was like everybody in the place was on mescaline. <laughs> All of a sudden, the jukebox comes on. Everybody's fucking dancing and jumping around. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was the fuck? I'll never forget it. So, like, you know, so, like, it's just like mescaline. Mescaline. <laughs> Who said mescaline? I said mescaline. You on me? I'm on mescaline. You on me? Hey, me too. All of a sudden, it's like the whole fucking place is like hugging and shit and dancing. And... Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is whoever was whoever was at the bar could bartend at any time. 
Really? Because, yeah, because like somebody would get a call, like the day bartender, whoever it might be. This is when Jimmy Pongo owned it. Whoever, might, you know, they might get a call and say, listen, I'm going out to the track. And then somebody would say, all right. And uh, so just, you know, jump behind the bar and get whatever you want. And so the guy, you know, somebody would just walk there and bartend. It'd be like, you know, oh, are you bartending today? Like Brian Hayden would, well, you know, he'd be back there. <laughs> it was the most wide open, insane place. Brian Hayden, I think, ended up working there when Momal Derek's brother bought it. Momal Derek's older brother bought it. I, uh, I forget his name, but he he ended up buying it, and it became he ran it like a bar. You know, I mean, he he didn't fuck around. But when Jimmy Pongo owned it, man, was that a fun place? Holy shit! Just everybody dancing and fucking jumping around, and it was like it would stay open late at night. You know, everybody would come back from Allentown to the last call. And the joint would just stay open as late as they want. And then they would do like recreations of shit. Like they would <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I think they did like the recreation of the Kennedy assassination one time. <laughs> in front of the, you know, like just crazy shit, you know, but yeah, that was a fun fucking joint. The ounce. Um, it was, it's a shame because it really, for all means and purposes could still be there. I mean, what is it? A tanning salon now? It was a tanning salon. Then it was, where was it? it it's uh, next to the bistro. Um, oh, yeah. Now it's Ace Hardware. Ace Hardware. Oh, yeah. Come on. Like, we need another Ace Hardware. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're telling us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we got I kids. Mean, we're we're looking for an arcade. We're looking for something for the kids around here now. Yeah. And, and it, that was a cool bar because you walked in. The bar was on the right. And, like, the bar went all the way up to the window. So you were sort of like, the windows were great. They were really big windows. So you could kind of sit there and watch the whole world go by. That's when I first, the ounce and a half is where I, I this is a true story, is uh, this is the later years of the ounce and a half. I think another couple of years it was gone or a year later it was gone. But anyways, I was really, I didn't know what, I was just frustrated and I didn't, I, and I knew I wanted to act. I knew it, but I just did not have the balls to like, like say I wanted to do it. So one day. I'm looking at them and I was reading some plays at the time, some O'Neill plays. One day I'm sitting there and Brian Hayden's bartending. And it was my day off from working at the Piercero. And it was like a Monday or something. And I'm having some drinks in the afternoon. And I look in the paper and the Buffalo News had an ad for the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And I'm looking around. I'm sitting there by myself talking to Hayden. And I said, you know what? I just walked over to the pay phone. He had an 800 number. I called. And I said, how do I go about this? And the woman at the American Academy said, what is your address? Blah, blah, blah. I said, is it an accredited school? She said, yes. I said, okay. I said, what do I got to do? She said, you have to do two monologues, a comedy monologue and a dramatic monologue. We'll send you a package with some ideas for monologues. And then you have to arrange to come in and audition. I said, okay, here's my address. Here's my name. And I went back to the bar and I said to Brian Hayden, I showed him the ad for him. I said, you know, I said, I'm, I'm, I just called. I'm going to audition for the school. And Brian Hayden said, quote, better than sitting here in my mask. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yep, I agree. And that's it. And I always tell him that story. And he remembers. Hayden remembers. He says, yep. He goes, why not? The fuck? What are you doing? I said, I'm not doing anything. Fucking go. You know? Yeah. So that's honestly out of the ounce and a half. Hayden's great. I went to see George Carlin with him. We were in the Muppet box with 
with Doc up uh. at Shays. And for some reason, during the opening act, he goes, hey, Larry. He's just saying Larry. So the, the guy that's open up for Carlin, he's looking up. He doesn't know what the fuck is going on. So Carlin comes out and he goes, I got one question. Who the fuck is Larry? <laughs> and it was just Hayden being an asshole saying, hey, Larry, how you doing? <laughs> who the fuck is Larry? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He <laughs> and he looks like he looks like uh, um, when you that, that movie um, where the Buffalo Roam, where Bill Murray plays Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, he looks like his. his we called him for years. We called him Laszlo. He looks like he looks like Peter Boyle in that. Yeah, the lawyer with the yeah the lawyer <laughs> Laszlo. I'm gonna start calling him that. Call him when you see him. Say, "Hey, Laszlo." Oh, he'll go next. <laughs> He's funny. One day, one time at this party, uh, it was at T. Caulfield's Christmas party, which he used to have these big Christmas parties. And he used to order all this pizza. All of a sudden, the door would open, and there'd be like a hundred pizzas in place. And some um, somebody, I'm not going to mention who, was a, you know, was little, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm, Listen, I'm the first to throw stones. I'm not exactly Jack LaLanne, you know, but um, a little little overweight person. He yelled across the room uh, to this person. Uh, <laughs> How long are you in town? And Brian turns me and goes, till the pizza's gone. <laughs> <laughs> He's quick. Oh, he is quick. <laughs> You know, of course, I spit my trick. <laughs> you know, so, it was so, like you say, it was so fucking fast. Hey, how long are you down? Till the pizza's gone. Just like that. I mean, oh my God. I was like, you know, split second. Was... <laughs> we, we were at a golf tournament once with him, and he was calling this guy baloney face. Right? So this one guy heard him wrong, so he was going around calling him blow me face. So then it turned into at the golf party. Hey, blow me face. <laughs> He's great. There, there used to be this guy in Florida when we were down in Clearwater, Molly McGuire's. There used to be this guy. We would go to this uh, tiki bar on Clearwater Beach on Sunday afternoons. And my friend Mitch Fox and this other guy named Kevin Keller, who was both really funny guys. And Mitch Fox is Jewish. And um, so there was this guy at the bar and he kind of had he looked sort of like um, Rob Reiner with like long hair, like bald with the long hair mm-hmm. and the glasses, like sort of like the only thing is that, you know, put glasses and long gray hair on, on Rob Reiner. And this guy looks like him. Right. So Mitch said to him one day, Hey, funny. You don't look Jewish. <laughs> and the guy started laughing his ass off and the guy goes, oh yeah man I'm from Brooklyn I get that a lot but you know they say oh yeah yeah you're not from New York are you blah 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 and all that well that became the guy's nickname I swear to God the longest nickname in the history of nicknames so we go in and we'd be like in Mitch get, get funny you don't look Jewish a drink you know <laughs> and we would just come in and then I'd see the guy I'd walk by him and hey funny you don't look Jewish how you doing he'd go good Lou how you doing I mean, it was like, the, you know, becomes the guy's fucking nickname. <laughs> Funny, you don't look Jewish. I don't know. I... <laughs> what, what is the origin of this Odin that we hear about? You got to tell us, Lou, because you, you know a lot about it. Okay, so this this saying, if you ask Doc 
or Patty Lonergan or any Dickie Ryan, any of those guys in that age bracket, Odin. So what happened was Mike Rockwood, as I mentioned to you guys before, this guy, Mike Rockwood, who kind of looked like he had the Fu Manchu mustache and long hair, cool looking guy. And uh, Rockwood was one of those guys that like either you loved him or you didn't. I loved him. And he used to have these parties after we worked at the Arrow, uh, the crab race parties. What he would do is he would put the rope around and, you know, you would think crab races, well, crabs go don't really go that far. I don't understand. But what Rockwood found out that if you hit them with the strobe light, they freak out. <laughs> so he would have a glass bowl over them with like the holes in like a plastic thing with holes in it so they could breathe. And then he'd hit it with the strobe light and they'd start going crazy and he'd take the thing up and i swear they'd run like fucking secretariat you know <laughs> and then he'd bet on him he had numbers on the back of him and he'd bet and it was just no no win play show just win and we'd, we'd sit there all night betting and so sal soul the aforementioned sal souls he's he's zonked that night and he's he's in a stupor and he's on the couch and it's like dean johnson sitting next to him this new bartender at the Piercero, who's from North Buffalo, and he don't know anybody from South Buffalo. He's a friend of Eddie Brady's. So Eddie Brady's there, and we're all there, and it's packed, and his name was coming up a lot. You know, like, it'd be like, hey, this is Dean. Dean just started at the Arrow. It's like, oh, yeah, hey, how you doing, Dean? Eddie, hey, this is my friend Dean from North Buffalo. Dean, so the name was being thrown around. So in the midst of the whole thing, Sal Soul puts his head up and goes, oh, Dean. <laughs> and then just passes right back up. <laughs> so now you know we're, there's an ample amount of um, hash being uh, smoked and hash oil and fucking tie stick and so everybody's pretty fucked up. And uh, Dean sort of looks over like you know and he looks at Eddie and says, "Did that guy just say my name?" He goes, "Yeah." He said, "Oh, Dean." So why the fuck he say "Oh, Dean"? I just like I don't know what the fuck I don't. So we were all talking again, you know, blah, blah, blah. 10 minutes later, sales head comes up. Oh, Dean. <laughs> Back, passed down. So Eddie Brady, like, basically falls off the chair and says, Dean, he must know you from somewhere. <laughs> and we're all fucking laughing. So Dean's getting free. He goes, hey, Eddie, why does this fucking guy keep saying, oh, Dean? Why does he keep saying, what the fuck does that mean, oh, Dean? I said, Dean, I, you know. He goes, Louie, who's this guy? He's, he's a friend of mine. He's from South Buffalo. What the fuck's he saying my name for? I said, Dean, I don't know what the fuck he's saying your name for. I, fucking, I don't know. All right. Well, Ten minutes later. Oh, Dean. Now this Dean Johnson jumps up and goes, what the fuck? Why is this guy fucking saying my name? I don't know. This, he's freaking out. And then, Dean, relax. What the fuck? Nah, how can I fucking relax? I'm sitting here, this fucking guy, every five minutes. Oh, Dean. Oh, Dean. What the fuck's going on here? Again, Celso. Oh, Dean. <laughs> Dean Johnson says, I'm fucking out of here. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Okay. Now me and Eddie are fucking falling over laughing. Mike Rock was going, Dean, he's just fucked up. I don't know. Maybe he's here. Here's your name. He's saying, oh, Dean. But who the fuck does Dean just says, Mike, Mike Rockwood. He's Mike, who the fuck just gets up every 10 minutes and yells out, oh, Dean. This fucking guy's freaking me out. It's freaking me out. I got to get out of here. All right. So he leaves. 
So the next day at the ounce and a half, everybody's telling this story, right? <laughs> yes, the house just put his head about Dean. The guy freaked out. Who the fuck is this guy? Blah, blah, blah. So Sal Souls comes walking. He says, Sal, what was with that Odin thing last night? He goes, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he says, you know, he goes, I don't know, man. He goes, I did a quaalude at Rockwood. I was fucking out to the guy. He said, you know, we're going to put every 10 minutes, you put your head up, put your eyes open. And you went, oh, Dean. He goes, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't. I didn't do that. He goes, yeah, I said, yes, you did. He goes, I don't remember one bit of it. I don't remember. What are you talking about? And so, so again, you kept sitting there, and you would open your eyes, and you'd put your head up, you'd go, oh, Dean, and then you'd pass out again. He goes, I got no recollection whatsoever. <laughs> so we're all, so now, all of a sudden, somebody just says, since the bar goes, Oh, teen, right? <laughs> so, now, so now somebody says, like, hey, were you fucked up last night? Oh, teen. <laughs> so it goes from that person to the next person to the next person. So next thing you know, the whole neighborhood's going, oh, teen. Hey, how you feeling? Oh, teen. And it went on for years. <laughs> people still say it. I swear to God, people still say it. I still hear, like, every now and then, I'll hear one of the old outs and a half guys going, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, Dean, I lost night last night. I swear to God. But that's where it came from. But the best thing is, whenever he said it, we would all just fucking fall over <laughs> laughing. And I mean, because it was just so, it was so surreal and weird. And the reaction of Dean Johnson, who rest in peace, is no longer with us. The reaction of Dean was so fucking hysterical because he would like, he'd say it, Dean would like move away from him on the couch and like look over and go like, what the fuck? Why is this, who is this fucking guy? Eddie, you know, Eddie Brady, he must know you from somewhere, Dean. (laughs) (laughs) Sal Souls, zero recollection of the entire evening. Has no fucking clue. Doesn't know who Dean is. What are you talking about? I don't even remember being there. Fucking nothing. And it becomes this legendary fucking saying. He ends up saying it all the time, too. Sell soul. He don't remember, but he's behind the bar going, oh, Dean. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> that's the old Dean. I swear to God, it, 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 we, we, how this came up is Jackie Sudo at Orville's 14th wedding. Because, um, <laughs> you know, Orville, you I don't know notice, but Orville at this point, um, He's got to return all the wedding gifts from his last wedding. <laughs> because by this time, like, you know, he, he's like, I don't know how, I, I must have gave the guy $3,000 in wedding gifts at this point. <laughs> but anyways, Jackie Sudo said, where did that old Dean come from? And Dickie Ryan said, from Mike Rockwood. And then we started telling the fucking story. And I'm telling you, man, we were howling laughing at this wedding telling this oh fucking dean story because i it like i say it's it that hung on for years and years and years and you know that's the story oh dean ludes must have been great huh <laughs> oh yeah probably <laughs> the ludes uh, the ludes were big the thing is if you did take a full lude man you were done i mean half a lude or a quarter lude was perfect a full lude forget about it. that was the joke about you know i used to say i'm on a lude diet they say you're on a. I said you're on a loot diet. What the fuck is that? We, that doesn't affect anything. Well, no, no, it doesn't affect your uh, 
it doesn't affect your appetite or anything like that. You just you just drop all your food. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And we we got some uh our followers put, knew that we were having you on here and they asked right. one of the questions we're getting Lou, what's your favorite movie based in Buffalo? Shot in Buffalo. Oh, oh well I mean Jesus Buffalo 66 is a, is a brilliant film. I mean, I don't know that many. You know, uh, what was the one? In Plain Sight's a great movie. Yeah, it is. Uh, I would probably say In Plain Sight. There's a lot of Con. movies being filmed here now. Yeah, that Cold Yeah, I know. Well, Cold have Brook? you guys seen Coldbrook? We're no, we were just talking it. about it. It yeah. just came out digitally, like yesterday. Oh, you got to see it because I, it, it's, I love it. I think they did a good job. I really do. And I play um, I play a gay character. It shows a little range, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had Kevin yeah. Cox on. That was the archaeologist. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, a weird... everybody did a great job, man. They did a great job. All the, I mean, Mike, a lot of local actors were great. Mike Dugan was in it. He did a great job. Yeah. You know Mike? Yeah, I met him bartending the one night. I got his card. We're gonna we're gonna sit him down for an episode once everything's settled. Oh, you got it. Yeah, he's he's worked on a lot of films. He's got some great stories. He'll tell you some great Molly McGuire Florida stories. <clears throat> no, because that place was insane. You know, that was. Uh, let's see who worked there: uh, Billy Pongo, Eddie Brady, Mike Dugan, Mike Gaughan, uh Dice McGrath, Eddie. Oh, there was a lot of people that worked down there. We had, we had a good time. We had we had a really it was crazy down there. Mitch Fox, Kevin Kelleher, a great great group of people. One of our listeners wants to know a good Melissa McCarthy story from Mike and Molly. I would say a nice you know how nice she is is when um, whenever Trish was in town, my wife, we would do the show and Melissa would want to go out and have a drink with Trish. I, you know, and she would, because she would say, I, I don't want to, I don't fucking care about you. I just, I want to have a drink with your wife, Trish, you know, like busting, you know, always busting my balls. And so we would go to some joint where they would like, they keep the joint open because she was coming in, in her neighborhood where she lives. And we'd go, and I have to say, she would, she would sit there and her and Trish would just talk about everything uh, except show business. And she loved it. She they, she loved it because Trish is the type of person that really doesn't care about any of that stuff. So she would always look forward to Trish coming into town because it would give her an opportunity to have drinks with Trish and talk about like their favorite, you know, fashion stuff and like their vac- vacations and kids and all kinds of shit. So that that's a nice Melissa McCarthy story. Yeah, just a normal person kind of story, you know? Yeah, yeah. She used to enjoy it. She used to enjoy it. And like like I say, she would bust my balls and say, I don't give a fuck if you come, but Trish has got to be there. You know, like that type of stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, so she used to she used to enjoy that. And then we would her and Trish would just sit there and just talk and talk and talk and talk. So I used to find that being, you know, she was really great. She loved Trish. So that's yeah, she's a nice lady. And then our last episode with you. You talked about how great of a guy Ice T was, and people will want to know any interaction with Ice T. A good story about Ice T. You know, all I all I say about Ice T is every time I see him, he he says he says, "How you doing, man?" 
good to see you again. It comes up. He goes, what's been going on? He's just the nicest guy. <laughs> he's just the nicest guy. You know, he just goes, what's going on, man? And, uh, you know, and one day I said, listen, you know what? Are you staying out on the East Coast? He said, yep. Because I live in, I love Jersey. Because I love where I live. And I'm staying on this show until the bitter end. He said, this is one of the best things that ever happened. I love it. I have a good time here. And uh, I said, great. You know, and he would, like I say, whenever I've done the show and I run across him, he's always like, you know, I mean, I don't think he knows me from Adam except from the show. Right. You know, and he probably Mike and Molly, maybe. I don't know. But he's always he he can't be nicer. That guy. I swear to God. So he's I always say he's one of my favorites. <laughs> and then lastly, tell us something that happened on The Sopranos. We don't know. Oh, let's. Oh, OK. That scene where um, I come up and I ask uh, Jimmy, uh, you know, Tony and uh, little Steven character. Uh, when I asked them, um, they're bringing in these these obviously hot DVDs that they got. And I come up and I say, excuse me, Tony, I got a question for you. How long do I got to keep doing uh, Johnny Sachs's lawn since he's in jail? Which is a really ballsy thing to say to this guy because, you know, the whole jail thing. And, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Gandolfini stopped me, looked at me, and go, what the fuck did you just say, Sal? <laughs> and the first three takes we did is whenever he would say, what the fuck did you just say, Sal? The entire set just burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it caught. We'd have to do come a second ago. And then little Steven started laughing like, what the fuck did you just say, Sal? And then he'd laugh. And then I'd laugh. And then because it was the way he delivered it was fucking hysterical because the balls of this guy asking this question. So everybody, you know, and then I, when I respond, I say, I don't know. And then they, we'd all laugh again, you know? So it, there was a few chuckles during that scene. And then the best line though, which I love is little Steven says, I don't know, Tom. I think lawnmower man asked if Johnny Sachs was a feat or something like that. And he called me lawnmower man. And the real lawnmower man is Jeff Fahey from Buffalo played lawnmower man. Yeah. So that cracks me up because I'm a friend of Jeff's and his family. I know my close friends with his brother, Mark. So the fact that, this scene gets a reference of a guy that I know I thought was a scare. Hey, Tom, lawn mower man said, how the fuck long he's got to do Johnny say. And, and he was, he, with the wig on and everything close up, it's all you can do not to just burst out. Cause he was so fucking funny as that character. That's so, well, what, I didn't even, I forget the name of the character. Fuck. That, that, uh, Silvio. little Steven put Silvio. Yeah. He was fucking hysterical, man. In that role. He was great. And he was great in it. Oh, he was great. Yeah. I always wanted to know, did he live? You know, the, you never What's know. That? You never know whether he lived. Silvio lived. Yeah, yeah. I he's was, on uh, the ventilator. Oh, yeah, that's right. In Vegas, by the end of the show, I think I was something like 80 to 1 to kill Tony. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, I was a long shot to kill Tony. Like maybe somebody was thinking like I would just freak out one day and say I can't do these lawns anymore and kill him. You know, I don't know. Ah, that's but, interesting. Well, but they had in Vegas they had odds for all the characters. 
That's oh, true. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then that nobody collected on that because you don't know. And you know what? Yeah, that, that's what's know. happening now is the all the fan duels and everything that people are doing sports betting. It's all on Survivor and uh, Lego Masters. And, oh yeah, you got to bet on something. Yeah, everybody. We, we were talking. <laughs> we get, you know, we got to start some crab races maybe online. You know, get people gambling again. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny you brought that up because I just um, I opened up one of those. I mean, I think I put. 40 bucks into the account or something. I mean, nothing. Cause I, I find it boring to watch racing on, on, you know, on the computer or whatever, but I to for the Florida Derby yesterday. I uh, got on that twin twin spears, uh, betting site. Oh, max site. Oh, yeah. And, and I, um, I ended up hitting for uh, 50 bucks yesterday. There you go. So today I'll probably put a little bet in to amuse myself, you know, Got to stay, got to stay positive, you know. Yeah, keep, you do. Keep you, I something. mean, you have to. You got to, you know. I'm reading, writing, and trying to just. Uh, but these walks have helped me a lot, man. I mean, thank God. If, yeah. if, if I'm hoping Trump wants to quarantine in New York, I mean, that'd be. I'd lose my mind. I'd lose my mind. Yeah. Well, if I, I couldn't take, if sounds, I couldn't take these walks, fuck. Sounds like a good uh, one man show, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll film it in my, uh, you know. I tell you, unless you're like Elvis Costello or something, you really shouldn't be filming anything of yourself in your fucking apartment. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's yeah. it's fucking bizarre. Everybody picks up their guitar and starts singing. I'm like, if you weren't doing this before, don't start yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, if like you don't have a record contract, yeah, turn the fucking camera off and spare us. <laughs> yeah. Read to your kids or something. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? You're gonna put out somebody's like, oh yeah. I just thought I'd get up this morning and sing "Let's Give Peace a Chance." You know, yeah. you know. you're gonna I'm just sorry, turn into know, fucking it, Bukowski and go crazy or something. Yeah, yeah. Every punk rock bone in my body just shivers at shit like that. You know, and in like every, you know, and my wife will go, "You know, you're so cynical." I'm not cynical. I'm. I, there's a difference between being fucking cynical and coming up on punk rock. Where, like, we just didn't deal with that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't want to fucking hear about your house was a very, very, very fine house. Or <laughs> fuck you. You know what I mean? I don't care about your house. So, you know, oh, God. I don't mean to sound. Does that sound harsh? No. No. It's everything God. I've been saying for a week, Lou. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? I, I don't want to hear some guy singing about, you know, what he feels everyone should do, you know, and he's playing the guitar and all of a sudden the guitar just goes, bang, he hits like the wrong note. Oh God. So you know, unless seriously, unless you're Bob Dylan or Elvis Costello or anything, don't fuck. Give us it. a break with that shit. You know, if you're, a, if, if you get paid as a musician, if you're a great saxophone player and you want to like do a solo in your house, let's all see it. Okay. But I don't want to see like, you know, like, I don't want to see, like, my friend Ray Nowak, who would never do it in a million years. I'm just using him as a reference, sitting there singing, you know, let's all hold hands together or some shit like that. Yeah. As a DJ, when things got down in the club or in the bar, what was the fucking song that you played? What's the one that you're going to turn on right when you're out of this to, to pump you up? What's the one? Sympathy for the Devil. That's it? Oh, yeah. I used to I used to fucking play that song so loud and and one time at Molly McGuire's I did that uh, Country Joe and the Fish that give me an F give me a U what's that spell fuck you know that whole thing mm-hmm. and 
so I would do that and have the whole place yelling fuck, say it again, fuck. And then right at the right at the crescendo of it, I would go right into the beginning notes of Sympathy for the Devil. Billy Pongo used to see say to me it was the closest to anarchy he's ever experienced at a bar. Because like people would just start fucking, you know, grabbing each other and you know, going nuts. And I used to love that. But it's the reason I got fired from Molly McGuire's. <laughs> <laughs> because I did it one night and Bart McGuire came up who who was uh had a few drinks in him. And I guess he had like his cousins at the bar or something, which like, oh, they're gonna be so offended by, you know. And he come up and he started yelling at me. Now, I have to say it was this rock and roll night that I started there that was making them so much fucking money. And it was all my idea, all my preparation. I bought all the music for it. It was the busiest night in the entire Tampa Bay area. And this guy comes up to me and starts screaming at me because, you know, he's got cousins at the bar. So I waited till he got back to the bar and I played that Harry uh, Nielsen song, You're Breaking My Heart, So Fuck You. And he, fi- and he fired me. They fired me. Not only did they fire me, but they threw me out of the bar and Dice McGrath used to come down and tell me I had to leave. Yeah. Mine would be uh, the Ramones. My brain is hanging upside down. You know, oh, I'll great. give that one. That's a great one. <laughs> also, too, I, I would throw in, let's see, I would throw in the uh, 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 Dead Boys Sonic Reducer. Would be a great, right. That'd be a great one. Let's see. Uh, anything by the Stooges. Okay. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, anything by, and you know, you listen to that album now, that album, I mean, they talk about the Beatles being ahead of their time. That album came out in 1968, the first album. That's the album that's really ahead of its time. Honestly, when you really listen to that album, people must have been back then, must have been going, what the fuck is this? Now it sounds normal, but it, that album is so ahead of its time. The other, the other, uh, if you listen now to, um, the MC5, man, you talk about being ahead of their, ahead of their time. I mean, th- those bands were playing punk, what we know as punk rock, like 10 years before it even happened. Yeah. No, you know? Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, li- sit down, honestly, sit down and listen to the first Stooges album. And, 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 and tell me if you think that album, like when I, the fact that it was like recorded in 1967 and released in 1968 is mind boggling. The, how far ahead of its time it was. I mean, uh, you know, but anyways, everybody's going to say the Beatles did everything. So, it doesn't, well, you know, you all know what? Everybody else isn't licensed to talk. And you already have that license. To so talk. you can use that anytime. Yeah. And we agree. Oh, all right. We agree. Right, <laughs> well, he is the star of Stories from the Second Floor, a Mark Bear this production. This was great. I loved it again. Uh-uh. <laughs> It's his, it's his newest movie. Check it out. You can also see him in the wetlands. Cold Brook, which Cold you can Brook. get now. I think it's on yeah. iTunes, Voodoo. I think you get it on Redbox, d- d- on demand. Yep. I'm going to send you guys this Cooper's Bar, too. You guys will enjoy it. All right. Well, Louie, take care of the family. Uh, and when you can get home, we'll sit down again, and we'll have a little powwow. And I'll get drawn, and we're going we're gonna to do something. We're going to do something oh, nice. Oh, guys. Please keep doing what you're doing. I, I, there's got to be a, there's got to be an avenue for this. You guys are doing good work. We're gonna work our ass off for you, Lou. All right, guys. D- take care, Lou. All right, be safe. All my love. All right, absolutely. Bye. Take it easy. Bye-bye.
Please support our local sponsors, Dog Ears Bookstore, First in Buffalo, Bottle Rocket Beer Reserve, Bob's Barbershop, Personal Trainer Ryan Corton. Find him on Instagram at King Carlito Fit and Rowan Co. Whiskey. Stay safe.